Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Welcome this morning. Good morning and welcome to Coastal Community Church. I'm Pastor Chris. Great to have you with us today. Uh, If you are watching online, thank you so much for tuning in and uh, making us a part of your day. Uh, Thank those of you who are here joining us live in person. Uh, It's going to be a great day. I don't normally get to do the welcome, uh, but today we we have a a special blessing. Uh, Ryan Spell, our youth pastor, uh, is going to be bringing today's message. So I get to hang out with you uh, on the front side of the service. So who knows what I'm going to say or what's going to come out of my mouth because I'm not used to doing the welcome. So I'm sure I'm going to forget all kinds of things and who knows what this is going to lead to. But uh, thank you so much for joining us. I've heard Brian's message. Uh, It's great. It's just what we need to hear today. Uh, So I hope you're ready to receive that as well. Uh, The first thing I want you to do for me though is to check in on Facebook. Even if you're watching online and you're not using uh, the Facebook platform, go over to Facebook, share the service, let people know that you're here. Even if you're in person this morning, pull out your phone. I know you're on your phone anyway. Pull out your phone and uh, go to our page, uh, share today's service, check in. Uh, It's just a great way to get the word out, so to speak. Uh, The next thing that I want everybody to do, both online and in person, is to fill out that Connect card. Now, if you're in person, you got one of these things sitting uh, on your seat. So go ahead and take that out, begin the process of filling it out. Uh, If you're online, you just go right to the top of our page, uh, online uh, Connect card, you can fill that out there. Everybody can use our app, uh, whether you're in person or online. It's a great tool. Uh, It has uh, our messages, uh, has my Friday Five, all the announcement, and an opportunity to fill out your Connect card. So uh, take advantage of that. Uh, If you are a guest with us today, uh, don't be afraid of filling that out. Um, We're not going to show up at your house. We're not going to harass you or bug you uh, or anything like that. We simply want to get to know you a little bit better. We're going to send you some information about our church, and uh, we're actually going to send you a gift. That is also true if you're watching online. I know that's kind of a big step if you're watching online to fill out something for people that you don't know. But if you'll fill that out as well, we'd love to send you a little note from our church uh, and a gift for tuning in today for the very first time. Now, for those of you who are here today in person, immediately after the service, if you'll drop by our welcome uh, guest tent. It's that blue welcoming guest tent right in between the two buildings. And uh, we actually have a gift for you this morning. All kind of great things inside there. So drop by the tent. We'd love to get this in your hands. Just our way of blessing you and thanking you for being here today. Uh, Speaking of blessing, uh, if you are a part of our church, you consider Coastal your home, or if you have been blessed in any way, shape, or form from the ministry of Coastal, we also want you to include today as a part of your worship, uh, your giving. And uh, you can see from the screen, there's a lot of different ways to give here at Coastal. Any of those ways are fine. It's really just a matter of what fits you and your family. It doesn't really matter how you give. What matters is why you give. Uh, don't give out of guilt or pressure. Give out of joy. Give out of worship, knowing that we've been blessed to be a blessing. Amen? Amen? Right. Uh, We've been blessed to be a blessing, and God wants his people to leverage everything that he has given us for kingdom purposes. Amen? Let me tell you something. There's a lot of great and good kingdom things happening here at Coastal, and that's what your money goes towards. So there's a lot of different ways to give. Give online if you're watching. Text to give. All those different things. Um, Hey, also, there's a lot of exciting things happening this, this week in the life of, of Coastal, especially in terms of being the hands and feet of Jesus. 
And uh, we have two different serving opportunities this week, Wednesday during the day, Friday during the day. On Wednesday, we're helping out with Tri-County Family Ministries, their grocery uh, distribution. If you'd like to help with that, sign up online, uh, talk to uh, Pastor Chris Jones. And then on Friday, we're helping with Soldiers Angels as we provide groceries uh, for veterans here in the Low Country. So both of those opportunities are great, an opportunity for our church to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. Hey, uh, we are in week two, as I said, of this series called Summer Reading. For those of you who are in person, uh, after the service, you'll notice that there are two tables right underneath the one sign, and there's a bunch of free books over there. Over the years here at Coastal, we've given away or sold a bunch of different books, and we have some extra supplies of those books back there in the room. So one of the blessings of being here in person, on your way out, you get to pick up uh, any free books that you'd like to. So I think that's everything I've got for you today. You look like you you hung with me there for a little bit. Hopefully I didn't confuse you too bad. Uh, But do me a favor. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a great message today from our youth pastor, Ryan Spell. All right, taking my podium. Appreciate it. <laughs> Sorry, you're not used to it. That's okay. You're just going without a podium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can, can try. There we go. You can try now. Good morning. Uh, welcome, everyone, again. Welcome to all those watching online. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We are, like Pastor Chris said, in week two of our summer reading series. Um, Today's book is uh, another great one, Hope in the Dark, uh, by Pastor Craig Rochelle at Life Church. Um, Basically, the tagline is, believing that God is good uh, when life is not. And uh, now a little context for the message today. Uh, Like Pastor Chris said last week, uh, basically for our summer reading series, we get together as a staff and um, you know, we come with ideas of, of books that we think would be good for this series. And so we'll have to get together. There's a lot of different input from you know, people. It covers a wide array of topics, all these book ideas that we have. And so we kind of narrow it down. We all get together, pick these books out. And then once that's done, we kind of break down like the, the schedule for the messages and who's going to bring what message. And so at that part, um, my thinking was I really like Craig Rochelle. I really like his books. Like, honestly, he's just one of those people where I really relate to his his writing style, whatever it is. I just like his books. And so I was like, oh, I'll do, I'll do the Craig Rochelle book, Hope in the Dark. And that was before I had actually read it, right? So obviously I'd seen the title and we had discussed the content like in our little meeting, but I hadn't read it yet. And so as I started to read it and I started to watch uh, where Craig Rochelle was discussing the book and, and why he wrote it and what led him to writing the book, uh, I got a little nervous, Right? He says that this book is uh, different than anything he's ever written before, which, of course, I picked it because I like all his writing. Right? And it came out of like, his pure, raw emotion that he had like, through different trials and struggles in his life that he and his family had gone through. And many of the chapters in the book, the words came from experiences with uh, miscarriages, uh, chronic illnesses, sickness, personal doubt and questioning. Right, so two things went through my mind you know, as I'm reading and listening to this. One is that this really could be one of the most helpful, impactful books to someone here this morning. It really has that great of content. The second thing is that I probably shouldn't have picked this book. Right? For me, I have this weird thing where like, I possess a lot of empathy like, for people in general. Like, I'm really, like, I don't know how to describe it. Like, I feel for people a lot of times. Like, if I'm watching something, like a movie, like I have to cut it off half the time if something bad happens. Right, I, especially if it relates to me and my life, like I possess a lot of empathy. Uh, the problem is I'm like horrible at showing that outwardly. 
right? Like in my everyday life, I'm really kind of even keeled and it takes a lot for me to get to the level where I can express this empathy, right? Like to a level where people actually see it as genuine emotion. Right? It's kind of a, a little bit of a problem I have. So I just want you to know how much of a weird spot uh, that I'm in with this book and this message. Um, but I really think the word of God found in this book can overcome, you know, any struggle that I have with showing emotion and really help some people out this morning. It's that good of a book. So let's dive in. Essentially, this book is a study of the book in the Bible known, uh, called Habakkuk. Right? And the man Habakkuk is one of, 12, one of the 12 minor prophets in the Bible. And so this guy was a minor prophet, not a major prophet. And not only that, but as a minor prophet, he did things a little bit differently uh, than most prophets of the time. He actually lived about 600 years before Christ was born. And his book is made up of three different chapters. It's definitely one of the shorter books in the Bible, so I encourage you to go home, take 15 minutes, you can read the whole thing, you can say you read a whole book of the Bible this Sunday. Right? Great personal accomplishment. Right? But, but what's also cool about Habakkuk's book is that almost the entirety of it is essentially a conversation between Habakkuk and God. Right? And, and so it's not only a conversation, but it's a conversation that even though we may not want to admit it, right, it's a conversation that I'm sure a lot of us wish that we could have with God. And so again, it's three chapters. We're going to look uh, actually at a passage or focus on a passage in the first chapter that can show us how we, to react, how we can react when life gets tough and to be honest, God seems less than good. Now, again, if you haven't read Habakkuk, uh, you have to know that you know, while this book, you know, in this sort of like sermons and books normally go through this kind of traditional timeline where there's like happiness in the beginning, there's a struggle, there's a resolution, there's more happiness on the other side, right? That doesn't exactly happen in this book, right? This book, more than many others, reflects the true realities of life, right? It shows how life isn't always easy, how sometimes when it is time for something good to happen, it just doesn't. And sometimes it even gets worse. It shows through Habakkuk's conversation with God how doubts and, and fear can creep into our life. You know how painful struggles and trials can be a, a, a fertile ground for doubt and despair. And to be honest, if, if that is you today, if you have questions, if you have doubts, if you have concerns or worries, both this book, Hope in the Dark, and the conversation we're going to look at between Habakkuk and God really is the story for you. And just one little side note, like uh, one stigma that we need to kind of go ahead and squash this morning is that you have to be messed up to be dealing with these issues. That's how people act a lot, right? Like your life has had to have gone wrong somewhere for you to be dealing with these issues that we're talking about. Like at some point you made the conscious bad decision, right, that caused doubt and worry and questions to be an issue for you personally. It may be the case for some, but I feel totally confident in saying that every single one of us has dealt with this in one way or another, probably just you know, varying levels of intensity. And so let's see what Habakkuk has going on. Like again, I said he was a, not only a minor prophet, but he was also a little bit different than other prophets of his time. Right, whereas the job of a prophet was to speak you know, to God's people on his behalf, Habakkuk kind of flipped that script. I and mean, he had a habit of speaking to God on his people's behalf. And not only that, he had a bad habit of actually telling God what he was doing wrong. Does that sound like any of you this morning? 
Are you like to pray like you're giving God his annual review? You know, like you did pretty good on this coworker situation, but you could have done a little better in my financial blessings this quarter, you know, or, or whatever it is. And so this was Habakkuk to a degree. He wasn't always a fan of what God was doing when it came to him and his people. And so as you read in chapter one, we see that one of the main questions that he's going to struggle with is this idea of fair, right? What's fair? What's not fair, right? Well, well, that's not fair. Like, it's not fair for me to have to deal with, you know, a hurting marriage. It's not fair that my job makes me work more hours for less money than this person over here. It's not fair that my kids don't listen, or it's not fair that my mom or my dad got sick. Like, it's not fair. Like, he's saying, God, I know you are all-powerful. I know you are all-knowing. I know you can do anything you want, so why aren't you doing anything for me? Right? Why aren't you helping me? Like, what did I do? It's not fair. And so that's how we kick off chapter one. Verse one of this chapter actually says that he received a prophecy, Habakkuk received a prophecy, and the Greek word that's actually used, it's not just like a normal prophecy, it's actually a prophecy of doom. Right? Like bad things are gonna happen, a bad prophecy. And so he receives this and then he goes and starts talking to God. In verse two, he says, how long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. I just listen to those words. You can hear the realness and what he's saying. You know, you may not have spoken those words directly to God yourself, but again, I feel confident in saying that every single one of us has gone through a time where we just wanted to yell at God and say, you know, what else do I have to do? Why are you not listening to me? Right? He says, why do you make me look at injustice? How's that for applicable to our lives? Right? He's basically calling God out saying, why do you tolerate right, wrongdoing? Why do you let destruction and violence prevail? Why do you let bad things happen to me? and the people that I love. And you know, it's, it's fitting that this minor prophet named Habakkuk would be the one uh, to say these things to God. Because if you actually look up the meaning of the name Habakkuk, it literally means to embrace or to wrestle. Right, to embrace and, and wrestle. And that's exactly what's happening in those verses with Habakkuk. He's trying to embrace God and what he believes to be true about God but the problem is it's not lining up with what he's seeing on a daily basis. It doesn't line up with what he sees happening in front of him in his life. Again, is that you? Right? You're, you're struggling with that. You know, you know God can put the pieces of your marriage back together, but he's not doing it. You know he can heal your mother or your father, or your sibling or your child of any and all sickness, but he's not doing it. You know God can provide you with an income and a job to support you and your family, or he can provide you with a godly, you know, significant other spouse to live the rest of your life with, but he's just not doing it. And so you try to embrace the plan that God has for you, but it's tough, so you're wrestling with it. And for a lot of people, I truly believe that's the spot they find themselves in this morning, you know, wrestling with what you know about God versus what you see and feel every day. It's sad, but that's the reality of our world today. And what we have to recognize 
you know, is what a lot of us learn through life's trials and tribulations, is that there isn't always a fairy tale happy ending, right? It's just not the case. You know, in life, there's supposed to be this uh, natural progression of events. You know, we're supposed to be happy, and then something happens to us, you know, some trial, some, some struggle, and, and, you know, we get down in the dumps, but then we persevere, and things get better again. We come out the other side. That's how it's supposed to be, right? That's how most messages make it seem on Sunday. That's how all the movies make it seem. Again, like, you know, because, I'm, because I believe in God and because I'm a good person, yeah, I may struggle with something, but I'm going to persevere and I'm going to immediately come out on the other end better than I was before. That's not reality. Sometimes when you lose your job, you don't immediately get a better one. Sometimes when you work years and years to, to save up money, to build this thing, to, to get your family a home, and then some unexpected bill hits and, and you're left with nothing. Right? Sometimes a marriage falls apart and instead of both people trying their hardest to put it back together, it becomes a never-ending blame game. Or sometimes, you know, a spouse gets sick, a, family, a child gets sick, and your family drops everything and spends all their time, effort, and resources just to get this person better but they don't. Sometimes they just get more sick. Sometimes no matter how hard you try to know God and love him and being the living example of Christ on earth, bad stuff still happens to you. And when this happens, you know, we're not always too happy with God. Right? We don't have those same warm, fuzzy feelings towards him that we did when everything was going right. And not only you know, when things go bad, not only do we get you know, upset with him, but we also get mad at him. Right? We're mad that he's not helping us out. You know, why aren't you fixing my marriage? Why aren't you healing my family? Why are you letting all of these bad things happen to me? That's the spot where Habakkuk finds himself. In verses 3 uh, through 4, again, verse 3 he says, why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Everything's messed up. In verse four, he says, therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked, him and the righteous, so that justice is perverted. Right, Habakkuk's got a problem with God and he's got questions are questions that stem from him not, you know, seeing what he knows or what he thinks he knows to be true about God. Questions that I'm sure many of you have. Concerns and, and worries that I'm sure you have. Concerns like, God, you just, you just don't seem to care. You don't seem to care what happens to me because if you did, you wouldn't let them happen, right? Or how about, God, you're not doing enough. Right? You're not providing me with enough power and strength and resources to deal with all the things that I have in my life. Or again, how about you are doing something, but the stuff you're doing or letting happen to me, it just isn't fair. It's just, it's not fair. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. How often have you found yourself talking to God and saying that same thing? It doesn't make sense, God. Right? Because you're talking to God, and to be honest, you, know, you say, if you were God, if you were as righteous and loving and powerful as you say you are, you would be doing something differently. 
right? If you are God and I am your son or I am your daughter and you love me like that, you would be doing something different. You know, you may say, I would never let my son or my daughter deal with the kind of pain that, that, and the hurt that you're letting me go through. And that has honestly become a lot more uh, real for me lately in my own life as uh, my daughter Ellie is growing up. Um, Ellie is uh, pretty wild, right? She's one of those babies, and you probably, it might just be me, and most of the babies are like this, I don't know. But she's like either full throttle, can't stop her, or she just, and crashes, and she wants to do nothing. Right? And in that same way that she's so wild, she's also extremely vocal. Right? She's still young, but she can, she's, she can speak pretty well for her age, and she is very good at letting you know exactly what she wants or exactly what she doesn't want. Right? And this became a whole lot more real for me um, with one of her last uh, doctor's appointments. Right? Um, it may have been like her, her year appointment or somewhere around there. I don't know. She's like 20 months now. Um, but it was one of those dreaded vaccination appointments if you're a young parent, or even if you just remember the, tra- remember the traumatic events of the childhood like that, um, it, was, it, was, it was horrible. We knew going in it was going to be traumatizing, right? And also, my wife Gracie doesn't really like dealing with the, the, the vaccinations and the shots and all that, so she kind of like goes over and nicely sits in the corner, and I'm left to be the holder, right? You know the holder, that position, right? And so, again, at this point, she's very vocal, and, you know, she can't say too many extra words, but she can let you know, and she's already expressing, like, her deep distrust of this evil woman that's walking in the door and, and this whole place, you know, in general. She's letting you know she doesn't like it. And so before we get started with the process, I pick her up and I kind of hold her against me and we get ready to go. And, and just size her, like we walk into snowing, she's going to get like three or four vaccinations and a blood draw, right? It's going to be a tough day. Right, so I'm holding her, and nurse walks up and, you know, hits with the first shot in her little arm, and she screams, and she cries, and she kind of gets over it decently quick, and, you know, holding her tight, she just kind of whimpers a little bit. Nurse puts a bandaid on her, walks away, immediately comes back with a second shot. Before Ellie really had time to, like, really know what was going on, she hits her again in her little leg, puts another bandaid on, walks away, and, you know, at this point, Ellie's just, like, lost it all, right? She's trying to climb up me, you know, climb away, whatever it is, just get away, far away as possible from this situation. So at that point, I got to lay her down. I got to lay her down on the table, and so she's screaming and crying. Nurse comes in, hits her with shot number three in her other little leg. Right, and at this point, like, Ellie is looking at me like she has just lost all trust in me. Like, she has no idea what's going on. She, she thought she could trust me. Now, she, for some reason, she doesn't. And, and this look that she's giving me is, is just, like, different than anything I've ever seen. Right? And so she's laying there, and the nurse is like, all right, we're done with the shots, and now we just got to do the blood draw, but we need to keep her really still for this. Okay, yeah, got it. Right? We'll just keep this little baby still. She's laying down at this point. Again, she's good at vocal, so she starts saying no. Right? Over again, no, no, no. Like, it's like stabbing you each time she says it, right? It's horrible. And so she's laying down, the nurse is trying to get, she goes for the vein in the arm, and I'm like, I thought babies were too young. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. But so she hits her with the vein in the arm. She can't get, she can't get shots for a couple minutes. It's horrible. Ellie's screaming. She can't get the vein in the arm. So, okay, we're going to take a break. And I'm like, why not? Right? And so, again, Ellie's looking at me like she, it's the worst experience ever. And so, finally, they're just like, we're not going to try to get in the arm. So, she go, we go prick her toe. Right? So, they prick the toe and just like squeeze the little baby toe to get the blood out. And she's like, every time she squeezes, Ellie's crying. It's just killer. And I actually have a picture uh, from that day, uh, kind of after it had all wrapped up um, 
with all her little bands on her. And of course, after it was all done, she immediately jumps out of my arms and runs over to mommy because mommy didn't do anything. I see she's got all her little band-aids all over the place. Yeah, so she didn't talk to me for a little while after that. But, you know, we got it over with. And, you know, I just know that in her mind, she sees dad as this person she trusts, who takes care of her, who protects her. Right, but today he didn't do that. Right, today he let this crazy mean lady come in and stab me a bunch of times with a needle. It doesn't make sense. Right, and I'm over here hurting because i got to hold Ellie down for these vaccinations, but knowing that it's what's best for her. Knowing that this temporary pain will be better for her in the long run. And looking back, I have to think that's how God is all the time. He knows the pain we are experiencing is the worst thing in the world for us. And he sees us, you know, struggling and crying and hurting and calling out to him and looking at him. Like, how could you do this? How could you let this happen? He just says, because I love you. And again, the worst part for us is sometimes it's not really the pain. The pain's always, not always too bad. It's the confusion. You know, why is this happening? You know, why, these pain and this struggle that we, we don't understand, it often leads to doubt and questions. And one thing that I want you to hear today is that these questions are okay. Right? It's okay to, to sometimes question or push back on God. You know, we see it a bunch of different examples of it in the Bible. Right? The Psalms, a bunch of the Psalms are crying out to God in, in pain and lack of understanding. Whole books of the Bible, you know, Lamentations and Ecclesiastes are nothing but people crying out over confusion and, and unjust suffering. Even Jesus himself. I mean, Jesus was on the cross, a man who had lived a perfect life, and he was on the cross and he became sin for us. He didn't just, he didn't just take away the sin, he became the sin. So he's on the cross, he becomes the sin. Again, he lives a perfect life. And in this moment, you know, God can't, can't look at the sin, and so he turns away or pulls back or however you want to interpret it. And Jesus yells out, why? Why are you turning away from me? Right? I'm your son. It doesn't make sense. It's not fair. And so one thing we have to understand to really be able to get through all this is that it's okay to not get it. It is 100% okay to be confused. And it's okay to voice that confusion and those questions. Because there are going to be times, right, we're going to go through this life, especially us as Christians, right, we go through life and we experience God and his blessings and we're living on top of the mountain, blessings are flowing, everything is great, everything is as it should be, and then what happens? Right, life comes crumbling down, something bad happens, you lose your job, your child rejects you, your spouse cheats on you, whatever it is, and now you've gone from the top of the mountain and crashed down to the lowest valley. And so what do you do? What do you do? You've got a couple different options, right? First, you can just deny it. This isn't happening. I'm good to go, right? You can put on this outward expression that life is fantastic. Meanwhile, inwardly, like, you can't even breathe because everything is too much for you. All right, so we can deny what's going on. Second option, we could just deny Jesus. We could just reject him, right? Like, this, this is crap. This is for the birds, Right? I thought you were going to protect me. I thought you loved me. I want no part of this. That's an option. Or there's another option. 
right? Like we said earlier, we can embrace the situation we are in. We can wrestle with the questions and the concerns and the worries while still relying on God. Because that's when we truly get to know him. Right? If you just live life on top of the mountain and you never experience suffering or trials or hardships, we will never truly know God because we'll never have to rely on him. So we can embrace and wrestle knowing that by doing this and relying on him, we will come out the other side. Right? We will see that true faith comes through perseverance. And the end goal relationship with Christ that we all seek will come through these perseverance of both the highs and lows. So we can't just walk away from God. But let's get back to the story real quick, Habakkuk and his conversation with God. And so we saw he calls out God, right? He says, God, why are you doing this? Why are you letting this happen? Why are you letting all this bad happen? And then verse five comes and God responds. And I imagine Habakkuk gets all excited because he's like, you know, he asks God all these questions. He calls God out, begged him to change all these bad things. And now God is responding. Right? He's going to make things all better. So he's excited, right? He's excited God's responding in my head again when my daughter's not getting a bunch of shots. She's a pretty excited little baby. And so I hear, and whenever we're about to do a game, like play a game with her or do something, we go, ready? She goes, ready, woo. Right? And this is what I hear in my mind. So he's excited. It's about to happen. Verse 5. God says, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. Habakkuk is literally thinking, I am the greatest prophet of all time. Right? Yeah, I said to God, you need to change this. And God is like, I'm going to do exactly what you want. Right? I spoke to God. He listened. And now it's all going to get better. And then verse 6 comes. God says, I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are feared and dreaded people. They are law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence." Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities by building earthen ramps. They capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty people whose own strength is their God. Well, crap, right? Probably not what Habakkuk was expecting. He was ready for God to fix all his problems to fix all the problems of his people and what is happening, right? What's going on now? God says, I'm going to intervene. You won't believe what I'm about to do. He says, you thought it was bad before. It's about to get real bad. And you just know every crazy thought's running through Habakkuk's mind, right? How could you do this? How could you? I thought you loved me. I trusted you. You're supposed to be a God of grace and love and mercy. How could you raise up my enemies to take over? What did I do? I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. Another spot a lot of us probably find ourselves in. At the moment when it seems like, you know, we're at a turning point where things are finally going to start going our way, when the good we've been waiting for is coming, when the healing is coming, when the reconciliation is coming, when the blessings are coming, we're at that point in, uh, that point in anticipation, and then what? It doesn't come. Right? Not only do they not come, but sometimes they take a turn for the worse. 
So what do you do? What do you do when you get to this point? What is the answer? What should a God-believing person, a Christian do, a believer, you know, one who has put their faith in this loving, merciful God who promises blessings greater than we could ever imagine? What do we do? It's the same thing we mentioned before. We wrestle with the toughness while still embracing the goodness and faithfulness of God. Read that again. We, we wrestle with the toughness while still embracing the goodness and the faithfulness of God. That's a tough one sometimes. But let's look at Habakkuk and make this choice. Following up verse 11 and verse 12, he says, Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. He's embracing God here. He's embracing God. He says, you, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. He's embracing God, right? Embracing his plan. He keeps going. Verse 13 says, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Now he's embracing and accepting God. He's accepting who God is and what he's got going on. But then he keeps going. He says, why then do you tolerate the treacherous? So now he's embraced God, but now he's wrestling with questions, things he doesn't understand. He says, why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than in themselves? He's wrestling, wrestling with these questions and doubts, saying, God, God, why? God, why are you letting this happen? Why are you raising up my enemies to punish me? For some of you, it's why are you letting my marriage crash? Why are you letting my family hurt me? Why would you allow my kids to deal with sickness and pain? In this world today, why would you allow racism and injustice? Why would you allow hurt? Why would you allow pain? Like, why? Here's the answer I have for you this morning. Why does, why does, God, allow, uh, why does God allow all of this? I don't know. I don't know God's plan. But here's what I do know. I've seen it in my life and in the lives of people who have experienced and hurt and lived through more than I ever will and would still tell you the same exact thing. Is that our God is a loving God. He is a merciful God. He is a just and fair God. And whatever pain and hurt you are experiencing right now, this morning, he knows about it. He knows and he cares and he hurts right alongside you. Because he does love you. He loves you so much, in fact, that he's okay with you having questions and doubts. He's fine with that. I like one thing I really want you to take away from this message is, you know, less than we need to learn from Habakkuk is that we can't walk away from God. We can't just walk away. God would rather you yell and scream at him as loud and as much as you possibly can rather than walk away from him because he knows the plan. He can see the end result and just like, you know, me having to hold down Ellie to get those shots, she can't understand. But I know that this little bit of pain could save her immensely more later on. God knows the pain in your life. Right? And just like me and Ellie, he hurts with you. But he can see the future and he knows that his plan is good and just and fair and righteous and full of blessings that we can never achieve on our own. So I want you to know it's okay to have doubts. It's okay to have questions. It's okay to be scared or worried or downright terrified. 
It's okay to voice these and wrestle with them as long as we can still embrace God and who he is. Because that's where true faith comes from. There's a quote uh, in the book, uh, Hope in the Dark. It says, what if honestly acknowledging your doubts is your first step toward building a deeper faith? What if embracing your secret questions opens the doors for a maturing knowledge of God's character? What if drawing closer to God, developing genuine intimacy with him, requires you to bear something that feels unbearable? To hear him through an ominous utterance, to trust him in the moment of doom, to embrace his strength when, you've we- when you're weak with a burden. What if it takes real pain to experience deep and abiding hope? Again, it sounds tough. I mean, that's why we have God. And even when it seems that there may never be the resolution or the happy ending that you want, because again, it might not happen. I mean, we don't get the ending we want. God is there and he is still true and just and loving. And through him and him alone, we will endure. How do we know that? How do we know that this embracing and this wrestling will work and that God will come through? Because he's done it before. Jump to Habakkuk chapter three, starting in verse two. He says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. He says, Lord, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known in wrath and remember mercy. God came from Timon, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heaven and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand. Where his power was hidden, plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed, but he marches on forever. So all we have to do is look back and remember. How do we know it's going to work? We just have to look back and remember. Remember the countless times that he came through. Remember the countless times that his people were in the lowest moment of their life and he came through. Right? That's the gift of God's word. We can look back in the Bible and remember when God delivered three kids to a fiery furnace without so much as a mark. We can look back and remember when Daniel was thrown into a pit of lions, but God was there to close their mouths and deliver him without so much as a scratch. Right? We can remember when Jonah decided to defy God and run away and almost died in a storm, but God was there to send a whale to swallow him up and save him. We can remember when an entire Jewish people were, were bondaged and slavery, and by his power and his grace, he delivered an entire nation into freedom. We can look back and remember. And you can probably do that in your own life. I'm sure there was a time where you thought, I can't do this. I can't make it. I can't handle it. This is all too much. But somehow you survived. You may have gotten a couple marks. You may have gotten a couple emotional scratches. But you made it. You made it through, and you may not have given you know, God the credit at the time, but looking back, you know, now you recognize that the strength had to come from somewhere, someone other than you. God is there for you, even when it all seems too much. We can rely on him for strength and understanding and peace. So I just want to pray for that this morning. Just join me in prayer.
Father God, I thank you for, for all that you give us. God, I thank you for your infinite blessings on our lives. And God, even when we're, we're just going through each and every day, and sometimes it feels just mundane or, or just the same old, same old. And God, we get burned out, we get beat down. God, this, this life and the struggles that we go through, they just seem too much. God, help us to know that, that you are there. And not only are you there, but you're willing to, to, to field our questions and our doubts and our worries and concerns. And you, and you want us to, 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 to struggle and embrace these, wrestle with these. God, but just help us to know that in that embracing, in that wrestling, in that struggle, we can rely on you, you and you alone. Yeah, I know it's, it's tough. It's tough for each and every one of us, no matter what stage of our walk with, with you we are on. But when life gets tough, and inevitably it's going to, God, when we are faced with a struggle, our trial, our hearts that we cannot handle on our own, help us know that we can look to you. We can rely on you. We can let you know of our doubts and our worries and our concerns, but we can put and push all that aside and know that you are there with peace and grace and love and mercy and understanding. And just help us know that is the only way we can do it, God. Our strength is not big enough, you, but you are bigger than any fear, doubt, concern, worry, trial, hardship, whatever it is, God, you are bigger. Just help us to know that and embrace that. And God, I'm sure there are some people here this morning who, uh, you know, haven't been able to experience that. They've been fighting on their own. They've been going through this life and struggling all on their own. God, just help them to know that they can turn to you now. And if that is you, you can just pray this morning and say, God, I am ready to give it all over to you. I'm ready to take my burdens off me and just cast them to you and, and because you are big enough to handle them. No matter what I go through in my life, I can turn to you and know that you love me. You are protecting me. You are guiding me to the best possible life. Guide me to an eternal life of hope and love and blessings. So God, I just pray to, to, to take you in as my Savior and my Lord. I want to give it all over to you. Again, God, no matter what stage we are in, just help us to look to you for all that we need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.